Hey everybody, welcome to the Patty G Show. I'm your host, Patty G. We are here with Sean Segrera out here on Segrera Farms. We're gonna be talking beef, we're gonna be talking cattle, the industry, cuts of meat, what to look for when you're in the grocery store, and the science behind their product and what they do that makes them separate and different from everybody else. Before we get to that, big wonderful shout out and thank you to the amazing folks that make this show possible each and every week. Falaya Real Estate, Horizon Financial Group, Building Five, Currency Bank and McClavey Limited bringing you our outfit of the day each and every week. Without further ado, Sean, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thanks for having us. We've been talking about this. Looking forward to sitting with you today and talking about beef. Absolutely, man. I am. We've got cuts of beef we're going to look at. We've got history of cows we're going to talk about. But before we get to any of that, I want to know a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Wow, that's great. I, uh, I'm a fourth-generation uh, cattle guy. Uh, my my parents and grandparents, great-grandparents, my great-great-grandfather came to Louisiana in the Abbeville area, is where we're originally from, in the mid-1800s. Uh, my great-great-grandfather started raising cattle on the coast of Louisiana in 1894. 1894. 1894. Rich heritage in, in cattle. My aunts, my uncles on both sides of my family, my mother's side, my dad's side, everybody raised cattle. So I've been doing this since I was a child. Um, Fifty years, probably, I've been uh, been raising cattle. My dad, I was so fortunate. My dad did something so wonderful back in my younger years. He allowed us to pick out a heifer every year and have that heifer and, and, and own that cow. I was seven years old, and there were thousands of cattle out there, but I could go find my one heifer out there. And it instilled in me this desire and this passion, this interest in the beef business. So, so that, that one heifer, what did you, was that like yours for the year? I mean, that, what, what that, all well, of that, do you, you stuck so feeding listen, it? I mean, so what yeah, are you he, supposed to do with this Every one year heifer? he gave me one. The first year he gave me one. The second year he gave me one until I was 13, 12 years old. And I was up to about seven of them. And uh, one year I asked dad, I said, dad, I know my cattle. I know this one, Black Baldy, a red white face, a Brahma cross, a horn cow. I said, what about the money from these things? I never see the money from them. <laughs> At seven? At seven? Yeah. At seven? Yeah. Well, I said this when I was 10 or 12, and Dad goes, I guess I'm going to start paying you the money off the calves. I own the cattle, but I didn't get the money from them. But he encouraged that as a child. He allowed me to pursue projects through the 4-H program. I was really involved in 4-H as a youth in South Louisiana, and, and, and like I said, Vermilion Parish is where we were, and, and it's all marshland. So we raised Brahma cross cattle back in those days. And my dad, my parents, both—they really encouraged us and allowed us to allowed me to pursue this dream. It's it's been in my blood. Went on to school, went into the business world, but I never stopped raising cattle. So, you were raising cattle in Vermilion Parish. That's correct. And at what point did you move out here to Ethel? I met my wife Christy in college on a blind date. We were married blind date. thirty-two years ago. And we settled in Ethel, the Clinton area, which is where her family's from. Okay. Beautiful rolling hills up here, plenty of shade, creeks and streams, and, and it's beautiful property. So we, we moved here uh, many years ago, 30 years, uh, and we've settled, and this is where we do it. Our farm's in Ethel, about, what, 30 minutes north of Baton Rouge? Yeah, and so about how long. I've been in the cattle business at some level. We used to raise Brahma cattle. Uh, then we went into the Hereford cattle, and we raised that breed, and... And we've progressed with different breeds of cattle. And, and over the years, my desires changed, my wishes changed, my goals changed. I got to a point where I really wanted 
um, I wanted a premium product. I wanted to chase something that would create a premium product, a prime product, if you will. And so now we, we've centered on Angus cattle, and we've been doing this for many years now, and really enjoy it. It's, it's something we're really passionate about, and it's uh, there's a lot to it, a lot of fun, <laughs> and uh, just a lot of history, a lot of history in the breed. So you mentioned two or three other breeds beforehand. I mean, how did you know or make the decision to progress through those, and then what made you land on Angus? There's many different breeds, uh, Brahma, Angus, Charlotte, Brangus, uh, Ultra Blacks, and they're all meant for a special purpose. Okay. The Brahma cross cattle are extremely important. The Brahma is, is extremely important. South America, that's what thrives in South America. Brazil, that's what thrives in Brazil due to the arid temperatures. The Brahma's tough. She's rugged. However, when it comes to carcass quality, which is what I wanted to focus on in this project. I wanted carcass quality. I wanted prime beef. The different breeds bring something different. The different breeds of cattle. Mm -hmm. Each breed brings something different to the table. We settled on Angus because Angus, that breed, brings, I'm going to show you something in a few minutes, but that brings prime Angus beef to the table. It brings prime beef, tender beef. It's their genetic makeup. Okay. Um, the, 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 uh, just to, to educate people, Brahma cross cattle are necessary in South Louisiana because of the heat, the insects, the environment. Brahma is tough, but she tends to be more lean. That translates to maybe a little tougher yeah, on the quality side, yeah, right? right? But it's still a great product. But she's valuable because we would breed that Brahma with Angus and with Hereford cattle and make crossbred cattle that would thrive in the southern Louisiana environments. So they're important. When I moved up here and, and went through my thoughts on what what breed would, would benefit this market we're in, it's Angus. Okay. And the reason for that, Angus, 50 years of genetic testing and experimentation and development, the Angus breed is serious about marbled beef. They're serious about tender beef, and they've approached this over the last 40 years, four decades. And so that's the breed. It's uh, it's kind of an easy choice for us, and it works really well in our environment. Okay. But what's, the one thing that's important about beef, ranching, the cow that thrives in Athol may not be the cow that thrives in Plaquemines Parish in South Louisiana. So and Ang that, and Angus, is that and Angus, close to different? Oh, absolutely. An Angus cow can't live down there because it's it's marshy and there's not that much shade and there's a lot of insects and she would struggle. But up here we have plenty of shade. We're in an environment where she works. Um, different cattle, the Charlay breed, for example, they're really known for, for heavy carcass weights and they're very beneficial. A lot of local ranchers use Charlay bulls in their cattle, but they're not known the quality of the beef they're not known for tender beef they haven't done the research um, over the years to develop it angus has and that's why we settled on angus is because they've got the most data they've got data going back 8 10 12 15 generations of cattle that we can follow prime beef is genetic okay tender beef is genetic 
It's in the DNA and the blood, and that gets into the science part. But we'll talk about that. So, so let's. I mean, let no. Let's go into let's that. Dive let's, into let's, it, right? let's dive into the science part of it. Okay, so <laughs> we're, we're talking genetics here. We're talking making sure their environment is right and how right. ethyl is conducive to the Angus beef. Right. I mean, how do you? I, I'm no genetics person right, by any right. stretch of the imagination. So, so walk us through what you're looking for, how you look at that. So genetics so is another word for pedigree, correct? It's just like a pedigree on a dog or a horse. It's a pedigree. And the Angus, as a breed, has been doing scientific research for four to five decades on marbling, data, traits. And so there's historic data available for, for for cattlemen to use so genetics we focus on the marbling epds epds is is a scientific measurement predictive it's a predictor of what the animal's going to grade and so that's where your genetics lining we use in our case we try to pick the top one percent bulls we breed the top one percent cattle in the breed together mm-hmm. to produce a marbled product what is marbling you know what marbling is? The white stuff in the meat. The white stuff <laughs> in the meat. That's right? all I know. <laughs> that's the white stuff. Some people call it fat. Okay, yeah, I was going to say fat. Okay. I like to use the word marbling. So what's, I mean, is there is there a difference? Is it's it fat? The, it's or is the it, same. Or is it? It's the same. Um, but is it a marketing? It's, it's, it's fat, but it's called intramuscular fat. Okay. The fat within. The fat within. So while we're talking, let, yeah. me, let me show you something. Grab, right? grab, I, grab I, a I cut of meat. Yeah. And we, we could show what we're talking about here a little bit, just to give the public, because we're going to talk about this today. The white, this is fat, right? Right. So that's a, that's we, a big we, line we, of fat. Big line of fat, this white right here. So when we cook it, generally. Oh, hold on. Oh, there we go. There we go. Look, let's grab something. So just, when we, when we, we talk, that, we when know we talk this about is, yeah. uh, live, uh, <laughs> live, right? So when we cook it, this the, the the fat within the intramuscular fat melts. Mm. It melts and it be, it's flavor. It adds okay. tenderness. It adds juice. It adds flavor to the beef. This outside fat, some people consume it. I don't. I don't. I don't. I mind. trim it off. Yeah. I always trim it off. This is another cut. Look all the fat and the marbling within. So this, this. An animal either possesses the ability to have that, or mm-hmm. it doesn't. Or it doesn't. It, it's oh. either there, so it's just, or it's not. Okay, so it's just straight genetics. So it's when, not when we how talk you... about when we talk about genetics, right? We have cattle that when their their offspring are born, they possess it. It's there when the calf is two days old. How can you tell? I can draw blood on a calf that's two weeks old. Okay. Within a couple of weeks, I'm going to receive data back, genomic testing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to receive data back that's going to tell me when that animal's only two weeks old how it's going to grade. I know when an animal's two weeks old if it's going to grade choice. Let's talk about the grades. Yeah, let's, talk, let's go through the grades. Let's go through the grades. The very top grades prime. Okay. Your high-end restaurants, your top-end restaurants, prime Angus beef. That's the very top grade. The middle grade is choice, broad section. The lowest grade is select. Ultimately, there's eight grades in the system, but we really only talk about three. Prime, mm-hmm. choice, select. Everything we do is prime. Prime cattle represent only about 
of the cattle produced and killed in the United States. That's it? Very small percentage. So everybody else is getting your choice or select? Everybody else is getting choice and select. Choice represents the next 60%. Okay. 60% is the next level. And then below that, select the very lowest level. So what we want to do on our farm, we want to use science, we want to use data, we want to use history as predictors, right? Right. So when we breed cattle, every single time, this is what we want. We're, we're not just going for the top 10%. We want the top 1% of beef produced in America. So once you, you draw the blood at two weeks and right. you get your results back, is it, and I'm, again, I'm no genetic expert, is right. it possible where one of the offspring is not going to meet that standard? Absolutely. And what do you do with that? And, and what, what do you do with that cattle? Absolutely, everything's on a bell curve. If you remember your statistics courses in college, right? right. It's on a bell. It's on a bell curve. So yeah. you have your outliers mm-hmm. on the far right and your outliers on the far left. You can have some cattle that doesn't meet that. So we know this when that animal's two weeks old, four weeks old. So what we do is we raise that animal, then we ship it. That animal goes to a feedlot, probably Kansas, gets fed. It goes into the supply chain of U.S. beef is maybe hamburger beef, or maybe it'll go to um, less expensive dining establishments, if you will. Okay. So it gets so, to your choice and select cuts in. That's right. Okay. So we know we save here on our on our farm to process. We save the very top level. We only okay. save the, the animals that are going to breed, that are going to look like this, the very top, top. Percentages. So, in of that, I mean, what's your percentage ratio of achieving that one percent versus? I mean, is it one percent of the cattle that you that you uh, produce is meeting those standards? I'm just trying to figure out why why folks aren't doing this. Like, why Prime is not so widespread, and it only makes up a small percentage. Uh, it's rare. Okay. Um, the the cattle are rare. The cattle are a little hard to find. The cattle raised locally uh, tend to be on the low choice to select side in our state. Um, as you move into the feed belt, the, the corn belt, they tend to be more of a medium choice to prime. Um, why? Because it's, it starts with genetics. We, when we started, we had to go out and, and purchase animals that had those, that DNA marker. Right. marbling so you've got to find the animal that's got the dna the blood to do this you can't just one thing you you can't feed prime beef you can't just take a general cow that's out in the pasture and feed her and end up with prime beef you could feed her for six months yeah. what's going to happen the only thing that's going to happen is you're going to put exterior fat on that cow the part that we cut off anyways. the part that you cut off anyway she'll produce exterior fat yeah but you can't, you can't feed this. This is in the DNA. So either it's there when they're born or it's not. And the fun thing for us is we learn to identify that through ultrasound technology. We, we start with blood sample. When we wean, we use ultrasound technology to verify what the blood says. We make another cut. We continue feeding the best. We ultrasound again later on in the calf's life to further verify. At the end of the day, what we want to do is offer a consistent, predictable product to those that desire it. Yeah. 
because it's to, a higher price point. At a higher price point. Because you've got, I mean, I see now you've got all this technology embedded into this process. It's not, you're not throwing out hay in the pasture and going to harvest it, the cattle. I mean, right. you are, you, you know, every single component and just DNA element of every head of cattle that walks through the ranch. It's for beef enthusiasts. It's for people that want to have the ultimate dining experience every single day. Yeah. You know, getting off of this a little bit, but every day, and in, in our herd here in the cow, and every day in the life of a cow, you want to make it her best day. You want to treat her just like you would treat your family, your son, your daughter, your wife. You want every day to be a great day for that cow. You want her belly to be full. You want her to be comfortable. You want her to be stress-free. There's so many factors that go in. It's not just genetics that go into creating this. You want a stress-free life. You want a balanced diet. You want plenty of fresh water. Um, make sure there's no worms and intestinal issues. And you want to make sure the pH level, and it gets into the science, but the pH level is correct in her gut. Right. And that way she stays on track. So we want to raise happy cows. So a lot of times we'll see pictures on TV or, or advertisements of pretty happy cows out in the pasture. That's wonderful. And that's what you, you shoot for. Yeah. So what is the difference? I know a lot of people will talk and are seeking grass-fed cattle versus grain-fed cattle. I'm glad you asked me Can you question. speak to a little bit about that? Don't you love interviews where they say, that's a great question? <laughs> I'm glad you asked me that question. <laughs> so being raised uh, in, in South Louisiana as I was, right? Um, my father, would we would save heifers. They were Brahma-crossed heifers, and he would put them on feed for uh, two weeks until they were nice and weaned, and the butcher guy would come and um, process them, let it hang seven days. We'd go get our beef at the, the processor. So here it was. It was a Brahma-crossed calf that was fed 30 days raised on grass and uh it was pretty chewy it was pretty tough it was we didn't know it back then right. we were fortunate we were blessed and we were happy we didn't know the difference I, it wasn't until i was in my mid-20s before i really realized what a good steak was okay. it wasn't it wasn't until i was in maybe my early 30s that i re, that i realized what a really good hamburger was because i was just so used to what what we ate, we ate grass-fed. Yeah. So the difference between grass-fed and, and grain-fed, grass-fed cattle are generally cattle that don't possess the, the DNA to be marbled. They're not. Um, they don't, they're never fed, and they're only raised on grass. Grass doesn't have the carbohydrates. It doesn't have the, the energy, the corn, to make these cattle expand and produce marbling. Grass-fed tends to be a very lean product that's marketed as a healthy alternative to beef. So many years ago, this concept became popular as a oh, healthy alternative. It's huge. It's, it's huge, but as a rule, they don't really get repeat customers. And, I, and, and, and yeah. this is why. Because the eating experience is not near. <laughs> it's, just, it's just simply not the same. Well, and I think also the way they market it and the way they push grass-fed beef versus non-grass-fed right. beef is 
the cows are happier in the pastures. The cows are living a better life because they're eating only grass. None of this man-made nonsense. Right. It's it's pure. It's raw. And, and then and, it's like and then saying, when it's, it's on repeat, your plate, it's and, and then when it's on your plate, it tastes like shoe. It's tough as shoe leather. Yeah, it's simple, and it's true. That's a marketing. Yeah. Listen, all beef is good. All beef is good, but there's a definite difference between grain-fed and grass-fed. Grain-fed is is absolutely more tender. It's absolutely more marbled. It's in the genetics. I'm certain if you were to take one of these Angus cows with the genetic potential and put her on a really good grass forage, um, a, a lot of, like in Washington and a lot of states in Missouri that have some really good forage and really high-protein forage, it's possible to get decent cuts of meat in our environment down here i've never had a grass-fed animal that's been that can do this <laughs> and and it, it's this is it serves a purpose right yeah. but if you're looking for the ultimate dining mm. experience if you're looking for the ultimate pleasurable meal this is what we're we're after this is what we're chasing this is what our goal is um grass-fed cattle eat grass every day Sure, they're happy every day. They're stress-free. At the end of the day, they're very lean. They've never had that opportunity to produce this intramuscular fat. Yeah. And that's the difference. Grain-fed beef is tender. Um, all the top steakhouses across the country, any steakhouse you go to, I mean, no matter what level you go, and, and we can talk about Outback, and we can talk about Lone Star, and we can talk about you know, with Chris and just the really nice, uh, you know, steakhouses, um, supper club in Baton Rouge. You can talk about that, that great restaurant. There's a little history there going on with us, but they're not using grass fed. Right. And they, I mean, they're using whatever the superior quality product they're using, is. They're using the top two to 3% of what's produced in America is what they're using. And, and you know, thinking and looking at how we interact with stress as humans, how sometimes you get a little tense, you get a little muscle mm. tensation within you. If you're stressed, it's going to tell because then it's going to get tougher, right. right? And so for the cows, even if they're fed grass, they're fed grain, corn, whatever it may be, if that meat is tender, you know that that cow led a stress-free life because they didn't have any reason to be tense, to, to cinch up or anything right. like that. They didn't use their muscles except to move around right. and enjoy their next meal. Let's talk about how... Um, at what stage should you process an animal? Okay. At what stage of her life is she most valuable? What's her weight? Okay. The cow's most valuable when she's weighing that 1350 to 1550, depending on the carcass. I use 1500 pounds. Okay. We grow the cattle to 1500 pounds. If you're processing an animal at, say, 600 pounds, 700 pounds, 800 pounds, that animal is still in its youth. It's still growing bone. It's growing connective tissue. It's growing hide. It's still putting its, its energy into producing fiber, protein, muscle tissue. That animal will continue to do that until it's about 1,100 to 1,200 pounds. When an animal reaches 1,200 pounds, that's when it starts producing the intramuscular fat. The okay. intramuscular fat is the last thing to blow up on an animal. The animal starts producing fat from front to back, from top down. 
So as this animal's growing, it's starting to produce a level of fat all the way around it. An 800-pound calf can have a little bit of that, but it hasn't reached the point where it starts producing the intramuscular fat. Once the animal slows its growth, physical growth down at 1,200 pounds, that's when the intramuscular fat blows up within. It's present. It's present when it's born. Right. But it doesn't blow up to the animal, slows the physical growth down, and it starts blowing up at about 1,200 pounds. Make sense? Okay. Yeah. The intramuscular fat is the last thing to develop on an animal. And so what what age from a timeline do you typically see that on? So you'll see that starting at about 16 months. Okay. So 16 months is when they that starts happening because we our average process is about 20 months to 22 okay. months is when we process these. Um, so it takes time. It takes six months. Our, our cattle and, and, and cattle uh, on, on feedlots, the Midwest, the feedlots, it's the same. 1,500 pounds is what they're killing them at. 1,400 pounds is what they're killing them at. These cattle have been on feed six months, 180 days, 220 days. Um, there's a reason why we feed cattle for 220 days. There's a reason why we, we kill cattle at 1,500 pounds. It's what the public wants. It's what the public desires. Is that from like a quality standpoint or is it from like a timeliness to get new product out there? It's quality. Okay. It's strictly, it, it's all about quality. If you try and rush the process, you fail. Yeah. If you try and process an animal too young, you get an unsatisfied customer. And, and customers will approach us or people will ask me questions. They say, you know, I bought be from they don't name but local they'll say or from somebody and god it was tough i said well how much did it weigh how big was the carcass it was 600 pounds 700 pounds that's why it was too young it's kind of like opening up a fine bottle of wine before it's about time after one year of aging that's right it's not enough why do you age it it's not enough yeah you grow the grapes you put them in barrels they stay in barrels two years right then they bottle the wine. Then they recommend you age it another five. On the five to seven, that's when it's right. That's when it's right. Same thing with beef. You don't kill an animal when it's eight months old or nine months old. You wait till it's 18 to 22 months old when it's in the prime of its life. Yeah, and that's when it's had enough time to develop and everything. That's right. So from a from a numbers standpoint how many cattle are y'all turning in a year well i guess every two years well it 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 varies our herd is not all our herd doesn't all go to to processing this way we sell herds ours uh, bulls angus bulls uh, genetically top one percent angus bulls to other producers who Want the okay, quality. so you're not just selling beef. You're no, actually we're not selling just cow. no. We're selling everything. Okay, which is kind of fun. We've got outs. <laughs> we've got options, right? Yeah. So it's cool. And back in the day, I remember we we would have a cattle. We would send it to the stockyard, and that was our only option. We didn't have any other options. What's fun about this project is I've got options. We have an animal that's born. It, it's beautiful. It could be a herd sire, and so a lot of these bulls we have these the, the males that go to be be producers. The females can be females for other people to start a herd similar to ours a percentage of this goes into our meat production and then the very lower end those animals that don't quite meet the specs they get fed out um, in kansas 
So like and every cow has a purpose. Every cow has a purpose. You know, one thing I want to talk about is back, back in the eighties, and I want to talk about when this. I want to talk about when beef really got serious. Back in the eighties, we were losing ground the chicken and pork as the protein. Chicken and pork were were outpacing the beef industry like crazy. The the beef quality wasn't improving. There was some debate about just one price for all, and there wasn't a lot of enthusiasm in the beef industry. We were in a decline, so to speak. We were wondering, as as a as a group, what are we going to do? That's when the Angus Association, in the mid '80s, got serious about starting to reward ranchers for premiums with premiums, okay, for premium carcass qualities. And what? They thought back in the day, they thought that if we produced just prime, they thought that we would oversupply the market and that the price for prime would decline because we're, we're going to oversupply the market. The price for prime is going to decline. Why have all this prime? Let's just keep all the meat the same. What a bad theory. <laughs> and so what they did is they said, no, we need to pay premiums for the, the better quality beef. So what we started seeing in the, in the early 90s is we started seeing the demand for prime skyrocket. We started seeing the price for prime beef rise as well. We started seeing the demand for choice products increase. We've seen the price steadily increase. The only thing that's decreased is the demand for select beef. It's gone down this way. And what select beef is, it's just common, <clears throat> tough, chewy beef. Right. And ultimately, what the point I want to make is the consumer makes the decision. The consumer tells you where to go. We've seen that here recently with some other issues, uh, national issues on TV, where the consumer's making some choices about which products they're going to buy. Yeah, they're voting with their pocketbooks, and that at the end of the day, for any business, cattle specific, yep, matters. It, if you produce in your eyes, again across different industries, what you feel is the best supreme product, right? Nobody's buying it. Might want to reevaluate what you classify Re as supreme. Reevaluate your business plan. Yeah, right. And in the beef industry. People say, well, I'm doing what my daddy always did. I'm doing the way we, this is the way we've always done it. That's great. But you're losing ground every year. And that mentality, I've noticed a lot. There's a certain generation that fits that mentality of it's the way we've always done it. It's the way our parents, our grandparents, everybody's been doing this type of work. Why are we going to change? Right. It's like a, it's a stuck in the mud mentality, right? right. It's like we're, we're here. We're not changing anything. But then when you look at your customer base and you look at who's purchasing your products and you look at their wallets, they're rapidly changing. They're evolving. Their wants, their needs, they're, they're their desires. They're telling you what they desire. How they buy meat goes way different than how they used to. I'm sure, and, and you know, back when your parents were raising cattle, they would all go to a butcher shop. Now you've got box delivery services sending you prime Absolutely. beef cuts. Absolutely. And they're in a, it's a box shipped to your door from wherever in the country right. they're getting it. People are changing their buying habits. They're changing their, and, and we've got to follow what they're requesting. Yeah. To, well, 
I want to be sustainable. I want to be in this business the rest of my life. I want one day my children to have this business for the rest of their life. And the only way for that to happen is to follow the consumer. Watch what they want. Listen to them. And when we started this project, I say this, we're probably the only place within 500 miles that's doing what we do. I'm talking about genetics. I'm talking about ultrasound technology. I'm talking about we won't sell it if it's not right. It's not about money. I want to talk about that in a second. It's not about money. Yeah. The money follows. How many business, successful business people have you, they started with a passion to do something, to build something. It was just a passion. And, And they were... They were so passionate about this, this idea. They didn't do it for the money. They did it because that's what they were passionate about. Then here comes the money. It follows the passion. And it's, it's a mentality I like. I call it process over profit. Right. You know, when you love the process and you love what goes into the product, what goes into everything you're making, and then when you're finished and you have a deliverable, you just let whatever the market's going to do with it, do it. But you know at the end of the day what you're delivering is supreme, it's prime, right. it's everything above the rest. And you can accept, you, you you can willingly sell every single cut of meat, every single piece of your product. You can be satisfied and know we're going to support and stand behind everything we've delivered right. to you because we've right. on the front end through the whole process done so much technolo- technology investment into our product that it's, you know every single time what they're going to cut, what they're going to see, and exactly the same result. Never go backwards. You never back up. You guarantee you back up everything you produce. And then with, with our in-the-beef deal, whether it's selling a bull, whether it's selling a heifer, whether it's selling a steak, you come to us, and this is the way the successful ranches do it. You back it up. You don't like it. You bring it back. Money back. You don't like it, the bull. You bring him back. You give your money back. And you want the customer to trust in that relationship. Always back it up. Always guarantee it. No questions asked. And it creates that relationship, which is how people build these huge businesses. Then you build a name for yourself, too. People come to understand, oh, my gosh. You got that SS. I, you I, got that SS brand. I know what you're right. selling. I, I started this project years ago, buying some bulls from a ranch, uh, Gardner Angus, Ashland, Kansas, and they were on the forefront 40 years ago with this. They've been serious, and and I always say this: they they've been one of the few Angus ranches that are just serious about carcass quality. And we developed a relationship with this, and Mark Gardner and and the, the CEO and and the family owns it, but they've got this. This reputation, they back anything they sell, and it's always honest, it's always up front, and that's where we buy our top 1% genetics. That's how we got started in it. And he's got a, a theory about it, and, and keeping the customers happy, keeping and, and all they really focus on is producing really good cattle, tender cattle, supplying in the markets, supplying the industry, the world with beef. It's a, it's a great... It's, it's a great business philosophy, and it's been really successful. Kind of a funny story. I, I had a bull that, I don't know, we paid a pretty good penny for, and the bull's feet weren't quite right. And I called Mark, and I said, Mark, something's not right with this bull. He said, Sean, 
Took him 15 seconds. Send him down to the stockyard. Give you a credit. 15 seconds on a pretty high dollar bull. Yeah. So, wow, guy gave me a credit. I went to the sale and I spent six times what the credit was. <laughs> and I went after the sale. I laughed at him. I said, that's why you do that kind of stuff, right? You suckered me in, right? And uh, no, but it's true. Yeah, it's true. And it, it, it goes into the cuts of meat, right? So each cut's going to be different for the different purpose. So I know whenever I go to the store, I know a little bit about what I'm looking right. for, but not really. So can right. we talk about the different types of cuts? I know we've got a few in front of us here and right. kind of what each purpose of that cut serves. Because every part of the cow can be cooked a different way, consumed a different way, and there's... More than one way to do it, I'm sure, right. but there's also a preferred way to do it based on that specific cut of meat. So we didn't really address it yet, but on our farm, what we do is we sell sides of beef. Okay. We sell the whole side of beef. Uh, we, we don't have a grocery store. We're not in grocery stores. You can't find us in, in, in restaurants. We're associated with two restaurants in our, in our tenure. That's it. Um, we don't have a... Um, a retail outlet so what we do addressing the cut side is we sell half a beef half a half a cow is how we market our beef and what's so fun is you can slice that half a cow up any way you desire and what is the main like when you think steaks what, what does everyone think about what's the first thing they think about to fillet mm -hmm. what's the second thing they think about ribeye a ribeye right the third thing is they're going to say a strip. Strip, yeah. That's it. There's three There's three cuts of beef that people really know about. They understand ground beef and they understand what a brisket is. Yeah. Or even a flank steak. This right here, this is a Denver steak. Mm -hmm. Look at this. This is a beautiful marbled piece of, 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 of meat that's cut off the chuck, the front shoulder. There's a cut back here on this platter. There we go, a little maintenance uh, in, the, in the kitchen here. Look at this. I'm going to touch this, and I'm going to show this to the camera. This is a chuck eye steak. Okay. I never heard of a chuck eye steak till about three or four years ago. This is off the chuck. This is off the front side of the cow. And what's, what, 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 how do you cook that? And you that? throw it on the pit, and you grill it just like a ribeye. This really? is an extension of the ribeye. This okay. is on the front paw of the ribeye. This, this cut is buried inside the chuck. This huge this, chunk of this, meat. This is a big piece of meat. This is a chuck roast. So this is part of the shoulder. It, or the chuck chuck is on the yeah. front end of the cow, that, that front of the cow. So we start talking about beef. And I'm, I'm going to live podcast here, so I'm going to use my paper <laughs> towel to wipe my hands. But there's options. Right, and like I know the, the chuck roast is your roast meat, right? You're going right. to put that, that in the cast iron But, but off the front of the cow, it. off the front, we can get Denver steaks off the front. We can get chuck eye steaks off the front. We can get flat iron steaks off the front. We can move to the back of the cow. We can get a, a bobette. There's um, uh, London broils is another steak. That's an old name back in the day. You used to be able to find London broils in the grocery stores. We can cut London broils. What's a, Lon what's, a London what's a Royal? London Royal is just it's it's on the rear end of the cow. It's just under the sirloin. It's one of the first few cuts off the top of the round. 
I cooked one the other night, two nights ago. It was delicious. And so now what's cool when you buy a half a cow, you, we used to think all we could get were ribeyes and strips and a few fillets. I can cut up half, and that might have been 20 steaks. We can cut a cow today where we can give you 40 steaks, flank steak, skirt steak. We can get all these special cool cuts. Each steak is a different muscle group. Each muscle group provides a different function for the animal while it's alive and living. It does something for that animal. So some muscle groups just simply raise the tail. Right. And so uh, tri-tip is another steak. So what's really fun about this project is we could go in and harvest these animals and create all these fun cuts. And um, a, 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 a friend who I met, uh, Chef Foles, I, I just a, it developed into a, a great, fun relationship. I met Chef Foles about, I guess it's three years ago now, and and uh, he's from South Louisiana, just like all of us, St. James, and and. They trapped and they fished alligators and they crawfished and they hunted and same background that I did. And so I've always been admirable of, of Chef. And and through a charity event, I, I met him and, and got to know him. And John says what he loves to do is he loves to cook the underutilized pieces and make beautiful dishes with them. The sharp ribs. The asabuco, the the asabuco is 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 a cut right above the knee here on the animal. It's mm-hmm. right right there, right above the knee. It's 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 an underutilized piece that no one appreciates. But Chef Foles will prepare that, and he'll serve it in his restaurants. Revolution, and we provided some beef for Chef at Revolution, and he specializes in these underutilized cuts. And it talks about what you were saying. It's not just the state, but it's finding all these different cuts and learning how to prepare them. Yeah, and then once and learning you learn how, how to, to do them. it. Right. And and I, I don't think there's a piece of the cow I don't like. I like everything. Everything's cooked a little different. Asabuco is cooked at 250 degrees all night. Uh, the short ribs, two, 300 degrees all day. A good chuck roast. 375 for four hours, five hours. Everything's different. A good steak on the grill, three three minutes on each side, then another minute back and forth, eight minutes. Good medium, medium rare steak. The cook times are different for everything, and it's knowing how to prepare it and how to enjoy it. Yeah, because everyone is different, and if you don't know, I mean, people are going to go to what they know, right? So they right. know how to do a fillet. They know how to do a ribeye. They know how to do a strip. Right. Some folks dabble in the brisket side of things. And right. so they're going to get the cuts that they're comfortable with. But you're 100% right. What Chef John Foles does with getting those cuts that not everybody purchases and educating people, here's how you cook it. Here's how you prepare it. That, I feel, is just going to be leaps and bounds within the beef industry i mean it's such a bigger animal we talked you talked about the pork industry and the chicken industry i've raised chickens it's eight weeks from birth to death i know that side of things i know how to process them and there's only so many things you can do with a chicken right it's a smaller animal smaller carcass right but with the cow there's so many different cuts there's so many different ways to prepare so many different dishes because of the size of the animal and it's 
someone cooked a brisket one day and he said, God, it was terrible. It, it was awful and, and it was chewy and, and I couldn't get through it. And, and I just asked the question, how did you cook it? We put it on the grill. <laughs> and I said, well, how long did you grill it? About 10 minutes on each side and we might have cooked it 30 minutes. A brisket? A brisket. A brisket. A brisket. And uh, I said, there's the problem. You know, it's we, the little one. I, I cook those things all day, and I'm not a brisket expert, uh, but I cook them all day, and there's people that smoke them and make an art. It's like a 10 or 12-hour process it's a to long, smoke a brisket. It's a long process. Yeah, and there's different steps. Right, right. You know, you watch them. They, 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 they rub them. They inject them. They rest them. Then they, then they smoke them. Then they wrap them. Then right. they rest them again. Oh. It's, it's an art form cooking a brisket. It's it, not, and it's, you're committed. For a steak, right. you can come home after work. Uh, we'll have some filet tonight. Throw it on the grill, like you said. Eight minutes, you're done. For a brisket, you got to plan a little bit more when you're going to eat one. And that's the challenge in today's uh, doing what we do and selling half cows. That's one of our challenges. Um, we know we offer a great product, um, but one of the great challenges is most young couples, most people today, we live a very fast-paced life. Yeah. Let's stop and grab some raising canes on the way home. Right, which is, uh, let's grab this. Let's uh, quick food, fast food, and people don't have time. The wife is working, and, and she's busy all day. The husband's working; he's busy all day. They get home; they don't have time to throw a chuck roast in a crock pot or in, a, in an oven. So that's the challenges about it. It's 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 time. Um, so consumers, uh, they they have that desire. That's why they love the steaks. It's easy to take that steak and throw it on a grill. Yeah, and it's it's where I feel like we're getting further away for most folk of making an event out of cooking. I mean, that's what my family, we've done all our lives, was when we had parties, it was an all-day affair because we were all cooking all day long. And we were right. cooking different dishes. And that was part of the party, was right. the cooking process, was preparing the food, everybody in the kitchen together. That was our bonding time, right. was over cooking. I love doing a beef stew. I love doing a deer neck stew. I love doing pheasant stew, jambalaya, right. stuff that takes time. I just, it's fun for me to be able to sit and slow down life and actually cook for right. two, three, four hours instead of cooking something in 10, 15 minutes. Yep. It's yep. just a different, it's, it's, different mentality. It's different. And what's fun about, well, I, I say beef's a great product, and I repeat that. It, it, Grass-fed, grain-fed, it's a great product. Whether it's fat, I still love beef at the end of the day. Um, what, what's cool about our beef is is it's nice when you can have something that quality in a freezer to where every day, where can you go in a grocery store and buy a prime chuck roast? Tell me which grocery store around here that you can go and buy a prime London broil steak. Where, where, can I, where can I go find a prime round roast? You can't. Not in a grocery store. You can't. You can't. And and that's the fun thing about ranchers, farmers, wherever they may be, in whatever state they may be in. That's the fun thing about dealing with a local farmer or a local rancher, whether it's us or someone else down the road. It's fun to be able to have that type of product and that type of availability um, at your fingertips. Yeah. Let's talk about ground beef. How many people like hamburgers, right? 
Love a good hamburger. Okay. So when you go to the grocery store, what do you do? You go to the where do you get your ground beef? You go to the aisle and you yeah. look at something that looks pretty good, right? Maybe some ground chuck. Something along that line. Yeah. What's really interesting about our ground beef is that we know it's from a prime animal. We know it's been fed for six to eight months. We know it's been aged 35 days. It's a high-end ground beef. We didn't talk about aging. No. How, how, what's the normal age that most farm-to-table type places go? 14 days, for the most part, is about the length of time. I've been to some, interviewed some processors. Um, I've interviewed some processors where the, uh, they only want to hang it 14 days. I said, well, I don't want to hang it 14 days. I want to hang it 35. So, so oh, what's the difference? All right. The, the longer you hang it, the more the carcass is allowed to dry, the more the muscle tissue, the muscle fibers, they tend to break down. Okay. Okay. The breakdown becomes tender. More age, more flavor, tender. It's a tenderizer. So I've seen some some dry aged cuts. Right. And they start getting that hard, crunchy exterior. Absolutely. What, what, what is that? Absolutely. And those are people, some people look, they do crazy. They'll, they'll go 90 days. Yeah. These are like fans, right? 100 days. Um, it gets a black crust on the outside. It's just air. Exposure to the air is all it is. It'll get some mold on the outside. We'll never do that, but we go 35 tops, 40 tops. But what happens is you got to go and carve off that black stuff. And you lose part of the meat. You lose part of the meat. But you'll go to some restaurants and they serve that and they'll say it tastes. They'll, they'll ask me one time. They asked, do you like blue cheese? Yeah, I like blue cheese. <laughs> it's going to taste a little like blue cheese. Do you like eating mold? And so, so it does provide a flavor at some point. Um, we deal with a local processor of Iron's in Greensburg. Um, it's an old facility. Uh, Gary and I have a great relationship. We're able to, he processes my beef and he gives me the opportunity, he recognizes what it is, and he allows me to age this stuff 35 days, which is allows that animal to, for that muscle tissue to continue to break down, allows it to dry out a little bit, and it just maximizes the flavor. Getting back to the ground beef. So when we, we, we grind beef, it's not difficult to find good bits and pieces off the ribeye and the chuck and the shoulder and the, the round and the, and the rib, extra cuts that we use to grind. So we end up with a, a grind product that's been aged 35 days, that's been fed 220 days, and it's, it's premium. You can cook it to temperature and medium and trust it. It's a great way for people who don't trust the beef chain. The right. national beef supply chain. It's good. Supplies. It, 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 it's a valuable service. The ground beef that you would probably get in grocery stores. It could be something similar to what I'm selling, but it could be something that maybe it was an older animal that was towards the end of its tenure. Got to do something with it. Got to do something with it. Um, he's not producing. We got to get rid of him. He's 12. The cow, she's... She hasn't produced a good calf. She's 13. It's time to do something with her. So is that the typical well, that, age cycle? Well, I mean, it, 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 yeah, that's right. And so once these cows live out their useful term, they go down to the, the local market, livestock market, 
they get sold as, as, quote, kill cattle. What will kill cattle become? Kill cattle become ground beef. We're not harvesting ribeyes off those things. I imagine not. <laughs> no. They become ground beef. Um, so it's, it's something that when you're dealing with local people, local ranchers, local farmers, I encourage people to get to know who they are. Go meet your local farmer. Go meet your local chicken guy. Come meet us. Take a tour. Visit. Before you purchase something, see what you're buying. Yeah. Go look at it. Go pick out your heifer. Go pick her out. Look at it. Investigate. So many people, they'll buy something based on the packaging. They look mm-hmm. at the package. They look at the label. Oh, that looks good. Don't look at the label. Turn that bad boy over and look at the backside. Look at what the meat looks like. Absolutely. So there's a lot, uh, a lot involved in this beef process. It's to, to producing a great product. It's not just breeding the right genetics. It's, uh, it's, it's age. It's grain. It's feed. It's, it's, it's how to cut it and how to make it attractive. And so it's, it's quite technical. Yeah, a lot more technical than I thought. It's a lot more to it than most people think. So, so we got to start wrapping up, man. Yeah. Um, but I want to say this. Yes. There, people ask all the time, why aren't you in this restaurant? Why aren't you in that restaurant? Why don't you serve the restaurants? All the restaurants really want is they want a single cut of beef. Mm-hmm. They want a ribeye. Yeah. Or they want a loin. Or they want a tenderloin. And we deal with one, one main restaurant uh, in Baton Rouge, Supper Club. Mm-hmm. Their executive chef and managing partner, Leighton Carbo, will take a whole animal. He will take that to the restaurant, and he will meticulously carve every single steak off that animal. There's two places you can get our beef. You can go to Supper Club and get it, Brandon Landry, Leighton Carbo, or you can get it off Segura Farms. It's only two places. And Leighton will carve these steaks, and what's really, he utilizes the whole animal. He utilizes the ground, the asabuco, the short ribs, the burnt ends, the brisket. And, and it's, it's fun working with someone that does that, that appreciates what we put into this project. Yeah. And so just for the people out there, if, if there's a couple of ways to try it, you can try it there, you can give us a call and try it. Come visit the farm. We always encourage visitors. Absolutely. And we'll uh, we'll link up y'all's way to communicate to them. If it's a phone number or email, yep. we'll uh, we'll have all that linked up in the show notes. Beautiful. So people can find you and learn a little bit more. But before we get you out of here, we have four questions. Talk to me. The first one is, what is something you did as a kid you wish you could still do today? You're supposed to provide me all these <laughs> questions. Something I did as a kid that I still wish I could do today, a no-brainer is, we were young, we were in third grade, and my dad would, would move the cattle from Pecan Island down to the coast, a place called Chinyatig. It was, uh, the, the, the drive was a one-day cattle drive, but it was a three-day journey. We got to get off school. So we would drive these cattle across the locks, uh, across the intercoastal city canal locks, drive them all the way down. And we got to get out of school for that. I had to have good grades, though. If I didn't have good grades, I couldn't go on the cattle drive. Back in the day, the cattle drives were fun. It was, it, it, it was the old days, and, and it doesn't happen anymore. Yeah, much different methods. Of much different methods. Four-wheelers. Yeah. 
Um, so what are three lessons you've learned in the beef industry? Never take the shortcut. Yes. Absolutely never take the shortcut. N never take the easy way. Never, never, um, don't take the easy way out. Take your time. Quality pays. Quality sells. It's easy. So many times I've started something thinking, I don't know how I'm going to sell this. I, I don't know if there's a market for this. Don't worry about that. Create the product. It will sell itself. I love that. So what is something you love about Louisiana? Wow. People. Absolutely. I've traveled all over the United States, and uh, it doesn't matter if I'm in Chicago or New York or California or Oregon or, or Kansas or Texas, the people. You can't beat our people. You can't beat our friendliness. You can't beat the generosity of the Louisiana people. 100%. Cajun culture. Uh, it's awesome. We're privileged and we're blessed. Absolutely. And the final question, what can I do to help you? Well, promote Segura Farms Prime Angus Beef. You got it. We are after those people that are passionate about the product. We're not competing with Walmart. We're not competing with the grocery stores. We're not competing with other ranchers. We're competing with those people that are passionate about a premium product. Well, we will do our part and get Segura Farms out thank there you. for sure, man. I appreciate man, thank the time. You. This has been fun. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate, appreciate you. And thank you, everybody else, for watching or listening, whatever platform you're consuming us on. Thank you all so very much. If you're in the beef industry, you're passionate about it, or you just want to learn more, Check out Segura Farms and let them know the Patty G Show sent you. And thank you so very much to the amazing folks that bring you this show each and every week. Hear a little bit more about them right now. Welcome to the brand new Falaya mobile app. We took all the same tech that's helped hundreds of people sell their homes themselves and packed it into an easy to use app for your phone. When you download the Falaya mobile app on either the Apple or Android app store, you'll immediately be able to see the power of this game changing tool. From the seller's dashboard, you can navigate to all the information that you need. We intentionally separated everything into key groups, such as tasks to be completed, buyer leads for your listing, and contact information for everyone involved through closing. When you get an offer on your property, you can simply review and respond all within the app. No matter where you are in the world, you'll be able to monitor everything that's going on with your property from listed to sold. It's truly the power of Falaya in the palm of your hand. Download the app and see for yourself. Falaya, it's real estate reimagined. Thank you so very much to Currency Bank, a proud sponsor of the Patty G Show. If you're looking for a business bank that fosters on three core values, relationships, service, and technology, Currency Bank is the place for you. They pride themselves on convenient, accessible, and secure online banking resources where you can manage your account balances, initiate transfers, enroll with e-statements, and more via their online portal. Between the relationships, the service, and the technology, they are going to be that partner with your business every step of the way, regardless of what you need. Currency Bank is the bank for business owners. Thank you to Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge for making this show possible. Nick Pentis is a past guest. We love having him on. 
listening to him talk about the culture they have over at Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge is really an incredible thing to hear. How they treat not only their employees, but every customer that walks through the door. You are more than just a number to them. They're going to give you that white glove concierge service every step of the way. They're going to make you feel like family and take what can be a stressful time in people's life. Shopping for a car, they're going to make it so enjoyable and so pleasurable. You're going to want to go back there time and time again for every new vehicle. Thank you so very much for Mercedes-Benz of making this show possible. Imagine taxiing on a plane looking toward the end of the runway. It seems so far away. It's even hard to see it. And that's what the concept of retirement probably felt like when you were in your 20s, 30s, and 40s, way far in the distance, not visible or even a concern. But as you turn 50, something happens. Retirement suddenly seems like something real, something not too far away. In your 50s, you are rolling down the runway. Retirement is getting closer and closer, faster and faster, weeks and months zipping by. But are you even ready for a successful takeoff to retirement? Fear not, there's still runway left, but the time is now. Time to make progress and time to get a plan. The Runway Decade will help you get organized, get energized, and give you the direction you need to take off to your desired retirement. The Runway Decade, building a pre-retirement flight plan in your 50s. McClavey's Limited, a proud sponsor of the Patty G Show, has been serving the Baton Rouge area proudly for 40-plus years. Gentlemen and ladies, if you're shopping for your man, there is no other place in the Baton Rouge area to get your clothing, whether it's game day needs, everyday needs, business attire, formal attire, whatever you want. Go over there, see Frank and Ashley. It's a father-daughter duo. They do incredible things in their store. They will outfit you from as simply a shirt that you need for one evening, or all the way to a full wardrobe overhaul. They're going to take care of you every step of the way, and be sure and let them know that Patty G Show sent you. Thank you to our wonderful sponsor, Lake Men's Health Center with our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group. Guys, I know it's tough to get out and go to the doctor. I know it's challenging to find time in our busy days, but I promise you, signing up to be a part of this group with Dr. Curtis Chastain and Dr. Tyler Boudreau, you won't regret it for several reasons, but most of those being the fact of the time it saves, where you're able to get in on the same day, get that appointment done, and spend that time you need to talk with them about what your health goals and concerns are, as well as ensuring that the financial investments you have, you will be able to live out and see those come to fruition. So if you're an investing guy, you know all about and planning for the future and investing in the future. There's no other more important thing to invest in than your health. Make sure you go check them out. Our Lady of the Lake Physicians Group Men's Health Center and tell them Patty G sent you. Simple plan, don't want a complication. Uh, complication.